0: Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Rangely Capital Podcast. This is a 15 minute long podcast, and the clock starts now. I'm Andrew Walker, a portfolio manager at Rangely Capital. And with me, as always, is my co host and the founder of Rangely Capital, Chris DeMuth. It is Tuesday, February 9th, and today we're going to talk a bit about the most interesting things we've seen in the market in the past week, and then we're going to do a little bit of a victory lap on Constant Contact's deal closing and merger financing and some interesting things that we've seen around that. And Chris, I think uh, Constant Contact is the most interesting thing we've seen so far this year, but we're going to save that for last, so why don't you start about what you've been thinking about in the past week?
1: Andrew, I've been thinking about getting a free Swiss... Frank. Uh, we so. did
0: this is just such such great follow on from our last podcast where we said Chris loves free, free things stuff, yes. and now free things yes. today.
1: We don't have time to go through it. Some people have read uh, about the endless machinations I went through uh, throughout my junior high school and high school years to trade Forex at duty free shops in Europe. Another
0: paid, podcast, another, another time. But, yes. But I
1: paid for six summers of uh, hostels with that. But this is only one Swiss franc, but I'll tell you how to get it. So um, we are shareholders of Syngenta. We uh, are. Uh, What's the ticker? Uh, SYT is mm-hmm. the ADR in the US. Um, and this is something we wrote about as a potential takeover target in MA Daily last month. Uh, not a huge premium, but it's up a little over 6%. Markets down about the same uh, meanwhile. Uh, ChemChina signed a definitive deal to buy them at what amounts to $93 per ADR, mm-hmm. one of several uh, suitors that came knocking. Uh, the market price is about $13 less. So if you look at the difference between the market price and the price you're going to get paid, net of dividends and everything else, it works out to over 20% a year uh, Uh, if it closes by year end.
0: Yep, yep, exactly. Go ahead.
1: And uh, I own it. I like it. And here is why. And then I'll eventually have to get to the Swiss (laughs) franc part. Um, uh, Financing, in short, it's not conditioned on financing. Uh, HSBC and China Cidic are already out in the market uh, looking to begin the process of syndicating debt. They'll be responsible for a bridge loan. They will come up with it. Uh, uh, The uh, antitrust risks are surmountable. Nothing to worry about. I'm following up on it, but it's really uh, just going through the process. Mm -hmm. Uh, The alternatives are very interesting and will actually come into play as it turns out. Monsanto would have loved to own this company. Uh, Dow would have loved to own this company. Uh, The management was obstinate for a while, but shareholders have been kicking them in the pants to... uh, Uh, get a deal done. Uh, Shareholders have been, as I say, acting like they own the place because they own the place. Uh, The biggest risk on both deal timing... Uh, and deal
0: risk is CFIUS. Yep. So CFIUS is the people who review specifically Chinese foreign investment into the U.S. Yeah. We mentioned them a couple of weeks ago with uh, HTC H. Yep. And what uh, obviously you know twenty percent doesn't exist in a vacuum. So the market is perceiving this as at least a decent risk. Mm-hmm. So why don't you talk about the CFIUS risk and why we might think it's kind of less of a risk than the market is the headline CFIUS review risk sure. would indicate.
1: If if your job was to talk about stuff. Uh, this would be a big risk to talk about if a sell-site mm-hmm. analyst or a journalist could kind of have kind of tut-tut this risk importantly.
0: You find and, – and we'll talk about this with Constant Contact – but when you have a headline risk, and the headline risk is CFIUS review, it's still under uh, – conditioned on CFIUS review – that's a great headline risk, even if it's not really a big actual risk.
1: Every, uh, thing I care about really comes down to a kind of squirm inducing one sentence summary yep, yep. and a better, uh, paragraph summary. And this is the case here. So committee on foreign investment in the United States is what Scifia stands for. Uh, informally it could stand for committee on Chinese investment yep. in the United States because exactly. we don't want it to sound anti-Chinese, but it's really about China. Uh, so what will happen? The buyers will be required. Uh, and by the way, this is in theory of voluntary filing. Uh, uh, but um there is two things the u.s is concerned about technology and uh, adjacency so the first is are, is there any technology that will be uh transferred it can't be taken back once they know it and secondly they're not that excited about a state-owned enterprise right next to a u.s base or a chinese anything. state-owned
0: enterprise yep especially uh
1: but uh, so that they're going to look for those two things Uh, the business is about a quarter North American, largely U.S. Within that, there is somewhere between a third and a half that I would estimate has nothing to do with Cepheus whatsoever. So we're talking about somewhere between half and two-thirds of 25%. uh, And we are talking about what they will do to get this done. What will they do? They will either put it in a trust with a U.S. special board part of it or just divest it. Monsanto is eager to buy anything that would be divested if necessary, so there will be a buyer for it. It'll be quite straightforward. It'll be done by the end of the year. And when it's done, in addition to the $93 US, in addition
0: to the ordinary dividend, you will get one Swiss franc. So there's your free franc. So to to sum it up, I think it's CFIUS review, under CFIUS review for a very big deal Mm -hmm. is a scary headline risk. But when you dive into it, it's... It comes out to ten to fifteen percent of the business is actually what would be kind of subject to Cepheus review. And it's pretty clear that they are very willing to divest this or do whatever is possible. So once you kind of analyze it, you're saying not as much Cypheus review. And I like to put these into terms. I think on the EMC podcast, we said this is a good, not great opportunity. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's kind of how you feel about the uh, about this opportunity right yeah, now? Yeah,
1: today at 80 bucks, I would say it's good, not great. And I am looking for, hoping for some shot that it turns to great. You yep. know, $70 a share would be great. Why could you get that? A big CFIUS scare elsewhere. We recently had Philips, a uh, Luma-led deal blocked by CFIUS. There yep. will be other deals blocked by CFIUS, between now and the closing of
0: this deal and and what you see is if a deal another deal gets blocked any deal that has CFIUS review will trade down 10 percent in Mm -hmm. kind just because of worries that CFIUS is going to block everything and that's how this opportunity might go from good to great or it's how this opportunity could possibly blow up but in all likelihood it's how it goes from good to great 80 to 70 on the way to kind of 92 and a franc exactly 93 and a franc yeah great uh, so if that's it, I'll talk about stars. Does that make sense? Um,
1: so Andrew, let me uh, let me uh, turn to you. What's the most interesting thing you're looking at? Yeah.
0: So stars. The ticker is STRZA. Mm-hmm. It's uh you know it's the premium cable channel that many people will subscribe to. Uh, and the shares were down 30% on the past week on no company-specific news. In fact, the only company-specific news was kind of what you want to see in a company. Lionsgate, who distributes films like The Hunger Games and Divergent, uh, actually filed a 13D on them saying that they were thinking about exploring a merger with them. And normally as a shareholder, when one of your companies is under merger talks with a strategic, you're like, gold mine, right? Cha-ching. But what happened is uh, Lionsgate filed that 13D on Wednesday – and then they reported earnings on Friday, and their earnings were kind of a disaster. Hunger, mm-hmm. Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2 didn't perform as well as they thought it would, and their shares were down 30%. So Starz's shares were down 30% in kind because the acquirer is down, the acquiree is down. And uh, you know after that huge fall-off, Star shares were still doing work on it, actively reading, but they look really cheap. They're kind of trading at 7x EBITDA. And when you think about what Stars is, they really just distribute movies. There's no CapEx, so this is a really nice cash flow generating business. They have 50 million kind of subscribers for Stars and Encore who actively choose, yes, I would like to pay you every month to have your channels. So yes, there's some cord cutting risk, but these are people who actively say, I want your channels. It's not kind of like the 300th channel on that is just tacked on. So there's not a lot of cord cutting risk. And I'll let you, oh, and John Malone uh, is actually the controlling shareholder here. Super rational capital allocation. The company buys back shares hand over fist, and they've been doing it as recently as, you know, up till now, and they've done it for prices as high as kind of low 40s per share. So with shares uh, at 24, you say super rational capital allocator John Malone thought these were a bargain at 42. At 24, that looks really interesting. And the last piece, and I'll let you talk a little bit about this. Uh, Single standalone cable channels have really been uh, kind of targets for acquisitions and roll-ups. And this is a premium cable channel, but it's kind of the only premium standalone cable channel out there. And I'll let you talk about that.
1: I I would just say that there's scarcity value in this franchise. Mm -hmm. You know, when you kind of... Uh, we we clearly stay in touch with kind of deal advisors and talk to the folks that are in the process of doing deals and while they can't talk at the company level in terms of which groups in which industries are busy right now this is an area of interest to people who are responsible for deals. So it is quite likely that this uh, would trade hands at some point in the future probably within months not years.
0: And I think one of the I think there are two things here. A, you and I have talked Talked about this a lot before when you've got a sector that's in consolidating there are kind of three or four single smaller standalone players left a lot of times we'll spend a lot of energy saying like oh which should we own and many times the answer has just been own them all they're mm-hmm. all getting bought and that's something what I feel like with stars specifically uh John Malone owns them known deal maker we've talked about them a lot here and ever since they kind of did their spin out and became a standalone channel, the the whole thing has been these guys are going to get sold at some point and they've always had kind of a premium to their intrinsic value baked in because they were going to get sold, but now because of the sell-off they chaired at 7x EBITDA, there's not really a premium yeah. baked in there anymore, which almost makes a deal more likely. So it's interesting. We're still doing work on it. Have a little position.
1: Go ahead. I was going to say, full disclosure, he's a neighbor of mine, but he owns over 2 million acres, so I think he's a
0: neighbor of most people who are listening to this. Full disclosure, you've used that joke on this podcast sure. before. You're so busted, Chris. Okay, so we're going to switch to Constant Contact. But before we get there, just a quick request. If you like this podcast, please follow us uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get this podcast. Uh, If you already follow us, one way to really help us out is to rate this podcast. And if you've already rated us, another way to help us out is to share this podcast with a friend who you think uh, would like it. Those are the best ways to increase the podcast. We are very kind of agable on. If you give us a good feedback, we will continue doing podcasts. So, Chris uh, – I- Constant Contact, you start.
1: I was just going to ask. I've been reading uh, your Investing with an Edge uh, <laughs> columns recently. I've been heavily investing in some of the ideas.
0: Um, did you have anything to say about Constant contact, contact recently? So Constant Contact is one we have written very publicly about. We've talked about it on the podcast. And uh, the deal closed this afternoon. I wanted to just pop champagne for five minutes with the deal closing, but we thought we'd talk about it a little bit. So it was so interesting because – Late last night, Bloomberg put out an article, and the headline was Endurance, the buyer of Constant Contact, pulls their financing from the market. And Constant Contact shares traded down from $30.50 to $29 per share. And then this afternoon, another article came out, uh, another news article, and your MA Daily came out that said everyone thinks that Endurance is going to close this acquisition this afternoon, and shares were still trading at kind of $30.50 per share. And I can say, from personal experience, as late as about 3 o'clock today, you could buy shares for $30.50 per share. At 3.10 today, Endurance came out with a press release that said acquisition close, constant contact shareholders are paid $32 per share. So you're talking about a stock that was trading $29 as early as this morning, getting closed for $32 per share. And what I want to talk about is... A, I think it's reflective of the fear of financing the market, but I also want to talk about how committed financing works. And do you want to kind of leap in on either of those, Chris? Sure. Uh, What the headline, the scary headline, Mm -hmm.
1: uh, referred to was the syndication. Yes. So uh, when you have debt, there is a syndication process, getting it out to the people who want it. And in this market... At the prices offered, the number of people and the amount of demand was uh, less than what the suppliers of the debt were willing to supply. Now, you can always uh, find enough demand at a, a price you're willing yeah. to sell for, but, uh, but the, the, the trade this week... Uh, did not cross.
0: Yeah. So what happens is Endurance offers to buy Constant Contact in November. Mm -hmm. And they say they have committed financing which means some banks in this case I believe Goldman, Jeffries and... uh, Credit uh, Suisse. Credit Suisse said yes, Endurance we will provide you financing to buy Constant Contact come hell or high water Mm -hmm. if you want to buy them we are here with a $1 billion check. Mm -hmm. And then what these banks will do is as the deal kind of approaches close they'll go to sophisticated debt buyers and say hey... Would you like to buy some of that $1 billion debt at a 5% interest rate? And the debt buyers will say, no. And then they'll say, what about 6%? And maybe they say yes, maybe they say no. And at some point, what will happen is Goldman and all of these banks said, endurance, we're going to give you the debt at 10%. And as they get closer to 10%, eventually they say, all right, we're not just going to sell it to buyers at 11% because then we're eating a loss. We'll just finance it on our balance sheet and maybe seek to issue it to people later or profit it ourselves. And what the Bloomberg article referred to was they're not syndicating around. The banks are just agreeing to kind of eat this on their balance sheet. And I think what happened is you could talk – we talked to a lot of different parties, lawyers, a lot of different parties. And everyone kind of said this is what's going to happen. But the market was reacting to headlines, didn't agree. And there was a very interesting opportunity to buy at a really big spread.
1: And I should also say there's an interesting opportunity for the banks because this is likely to be on Goldman Sachs's balance sheet between now and the time that the SEC filing yep. uh, issue is resolved. Uh, reasonably likely that that's within the next six to nine months. Uh, reasonably likely to uh, believe that it won't be a material uh, adverse event to Endurance, at which time they will be able to, unless the credit market's much worse than it is now, uh, sell it for a higher price than they could today.
0: So one thing I want to, one other thing I want to talk about is I think we held our hats on this when we were looking at this deal. Endurance was a strategic buyer of constant mm-hmm. contact. Uh, They announced the deal. Uh, The credit markets got worse. Their stock price went down. There was a SEC investigation that uh, we talked about previously. And I think any private equity buyer – there's a termination fee if a buyer walks away Mm -hmm. from a seller. Any private equity buyer would have walked away from constant contact. Mm -hmm. But Endurance was a strategic buyer. There was strategic rationale to the deal. And I think the thing you and I kept coming back to was the strategic rationale for the deal makes sense. Mm -hmm. They would do this deal even if there wasn't a legal paper – they negotiated this deal in the backstop knowing that that might be what the price they w- would have to pay, and they want to do this deal. That's really what we came back from, and I think that's what separated this deal from a lot of private equity deals and maybe what the market, when it sold it at 29 this morning, was kind of missing in the headline risk. Do you Any thoughts on that? That, that sounds exactly right. I mean,
1: I think that— Probably, I always say it's half and half, but some percentage of our job is looking for circumstantial evidence. What's actually happening? It's the sleuthing of getting information. Mm -hmm. Without information, I think most of investing is kind of circular. Uh, But half of our job is also just... In theory, does this make sense? Does our analysis say not just the fundamental valuation of the target, an important job, understanding what the deal uh, price is, probabilistically important job, but what is the economics of the deal? And having a strategic rationale, you can truly take costs out, that there's something that led them to want to do this to begin with, and to not simply forget everything we knew as soon as the price goes down or something new happens. And I think that that, you know, if we could do a job that we would be proud to walk into a board and present as a idea, pro or con, a deal, uh, then I think it gives us a lot of comfort and able to act.
0: And I, I'll just add two things. Example. I think another thing we hung our hat on was both GoDaddy and Wix.com, who are competitors mm-hmm. of uh, Endurance, looked at Constant Contact yeah. and bid the rumor was and the kind of proxy background information shows they bid very close to the price endurance page so we said oh a lot of other strategics see the same value in them and the last thing I think uh, I don't know where else I was going to go with it Actually, I
1: would just say that I don't just use arbitrage as one outcome uh, maybe a favorable outcome but as a data point the private market value for this company is in the 30s Uh, And uh, if it's trading beneath that, it's trading beneath a valuation for me that is a very
0: important data point. Oh, and then the last thing I was to say, a year ago, when things were really good in the credit markets and the equity markets, Mm -hmm. every deal got done, Mm -hmm. right? Didn't matter. And I think the thing we held our hat on here and the thing uh, people need to be aware of in any merger, arbitrage, or event-driven thing they're playing, including stars, Lionsgate, or anything, is if the strategic rationale makes sense... Parties are very unlikely to walk, no, almost no matter how bad things get, short of kind of the entire economy, Great Depression-type thing happening. But when things get bad, if you've got kind of private equity party A buying someone just because they think they can get a lot of cheap financing, that's the first party that's going to walk. Mm-hmm. So as the tide goes out, you'll kind of see who's been swimming naked on all of these deals. Does that make
1: sense? It makes sense. And when it comes to
0: never mind i see where you're going and i'm glad we stopped (laughs) final (laughs) sentence i would say it
1: just depends who you see
0: (laughs) excellent way to end the podcast all right so chris and i will be back with another podcast later this week thanks again for taking the time to listen please subscribe itunes stitcher soundcloud and we will talk to you then